As you probably all figured out by now, I had no idea what I was doing. Sure, I had done my research, but all the research in the world doesn't do you much good until you sit down and try to apply it. So I started. With some help from a couple of friends, you know who you are, I got set up as far as my knowledge of technology allowed me, and everything seemed to be working okay. Or at least I didn't look completely like the amateur that I am. I also started writing, and writing, and writing some more. Figuring out tone, humor, depths of coverage, and all that good stuff. And also learning lots that I didn't know beforehand. But eventually, the time came a year ago when I had to sit down, combine the technology side with the writing side, not to mention my own voice, and send my little project out into the world. Ready or not, one year ago today, I first set foot on the path to tell as many people as I could about the incredible place that is the country's 48th state. If I didn't know what I was doing, I definitely had no idea what to expect. And really, I still don't. But the results so far have been more than encouraging, exciting, and exhilarating than anything I had planned. And I hope you agree that it's been, at the very least, an interesting ride so far. So, let's take a moment to sit back, reminisce just a bit, and celebrate this grand place we now call Arizona. I'm your host, David Rickhausen, and you are listening to AZ, The History of Arizona. Episode 47, Birthday Q&A. Happy February 14th, everyone. Or should I say a very merry statehood day to all you fine listeners out there? Or maybe should I say happy first anniversary for this little podcast of ours? And yes, I guess I could also wish you a happy Valentine's Day, you know, if that's your thing. Some mention could also be made of the fact that, as we learned not too long ago, today is also the 159th anniversary of the Confederacy proclaiming the territory of Arizona. Though we don't really talk about that one for obvious reasons. But most importantly... Today is a bit of a celebration for both this fantastic state and our own little attempt to sum up its sweeping story. So, where do we start? Well, the best and most obvious place for me to start is expressing my deep and sincere thanks to all of you. I've said before that this podcast is a labor of love and that I would keep churning it out if only my own mother listened to it. However, it turns out that more people than my own mother were interested in hearing about the history of Arizona. Over the past year, I've watched my listener base grow from a small handful, to tens, to dozens, to now when it can literally, if just barely, be numbered in the hundreds. I won't pretend to be anywhere close to the most popular or successful podcast out there, But I'm just happy to know that there is a small contingent of listeners that actually look forward as much as I do to the next twist and turn of Arizona history. That's why I wanted to make sure to start today by thanking everyone for joining me, whether you are a friend or relative who has supported me, a longtime listener, or someone just now finding this podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you. 
because all of the support and encouragement I've received has just blown me out of the water, I've decided to open up this episode to listener questions. Now, I only received questions from a handful of listeners, but the ones that did come in were quality and hopefully answer a question that you might have had at the back of your head. So let's just dive right into the mailbag. Listener Michael D. asked for a little more about my bio, and also something similar to listeners John L. and Paul W. That is, why did I decide to do a podcast in the first place? Now, I covered this very briefly back in episode one, but here's a more extended version. I was originally very hesitant to share too much about myself because, hey, it's the internet and that's never a good idea. But then I realized I used my full name, my photo is on the website, and I suppose a Google search could take care of the rest. Without going into too much detail, here's a little bit more about my bio. I was born in the Phoenix area and have lived here the majority of my life. I was active in the Boy Scouts as a youth and so went hiking and camping a lot across the state. From an early age, I've always been a history geek. Seriously, I was just telling someone about how I used to read my 8th grade history textbook for fun. Their reaction was what I imagine yours just was. Anyway, I graduated with a degree in journalism from Arizona State University, and between various internships and jobs spent nearly a decade working at mostly smaller newspapers in Arizona and briefly in South Dakota. But my favorite stories to write were always the ones celebrating local history. In fact, one such story I wrote during this time will eventually become an episode of this podcast, but that's still in the future. In 2018, I switched careers and went into communications, which is what I still do today. Once I made that change, I went back to a thought I had the previous year. That is, podcasting. Now, I'm going to place the blame for this one on an old and dear friend of mine who introduced me to podcasting in something like 2007. This friend, and once again, he knows who he is, played for me Lars Brownworth's Amazing 12 Byzantine Emperors, which really helped launch the history podcast genre. If you haven't listened to it, definitely go find it. It's one of my key influences. After binging through that several times, I decided that I needed more history and went a-searching. Some random googling eventually brought me to Mike Duncan and his fantastic History of Rome and then Revolutions podcast. FYI, there have been a couple people who have compared me to Mike Duncan, which, though I don't think there is any comparison with that minor deity of history podcasting, is perhaps the biggest compliment I have ever received in my life. Seriously, if I can occasionally hit the quality of the History of Rome, I'm happy. Long story short, I eventually started listening to a bunch of different podcasts, and that got me thinking, would I like to do something similar? I like reading about history, and I really like telling people about what I read. Obviously, there were people out there that liked hearing about history. It seemed to work for Mr. Brownsworth and Duncan, so could I too be a podcaster? The only hitch was I couldn't come up with a topic that I could talk about with any degree of authority. That is, until August 21st, 2017. 
yes, I know the exact day because it was literally the day of the solar eclipse that inspiration struck. I could talk about Arizona. I'd lived there all my life, had literally been taught its history numerous times between grade school and college, and it would be a good excuse to explore places that I had yet to go. Well, I hemmed and hawed over the idea for a very long time, but finally in 2019, I decided to get serious about it. And, well, you now have the results. Of course, the challenge after that was reading up on Arizona so I could provide something informative and entertaining. Which actually leads me to a question for listener and good friend of the show, Ben M., who asked, If your listeners were to read just one of the sources you've used for the story thus far, which would you recommend and why? I will also add in here that listener Paul W. asked something similar. Okay, this is a tricky question because my first response is either read everything or to suggest a litany of books based on what you're looking for in a history book. You know, time period, subject matter, depth of research, etc. But for the sake of brevity, I'll only recommend two books for a general history of Arizona. The first is Marshall Trimble's Arizona, A Cavalcade of History. Trimble is the state historian. Literally, he is Arizona's official historian. I had the privilege to interview him once back in my journalism days, and let me tell you, he's a hoot. Anyway, his book is a thorough look at the history of Arizona and is chock full of what I love best about history. Stories. Trimble emphasizes the weird, funny, eye-rolling, and groan-inducing bits of human nature that makes the past so much fun to talk about. A lot of what he relates is anecdotal and meant to entertain, but for the general reader, it's a great place to start. However, if you are looking for something more academic and researched up the wazoo, then I will recommend Arizona, A History by Thomas E. Sheridan. I first read Sheridan as part of a college class about Arizona history, and let me tell you, he is comprehensive. Because it's a more academic book, he's a lot drier than Trimble, but there is a lot of good information stuffed within its pages. Now, I will say that Sheridan tends to dwell on race relations and settlers' exploitation of resources without thinking through the ramifications a lot. It can make him come off as a little joyless at times, but Sheridan knows his stuff and everything is backed up by a ton of research. This podcast would not be what it is today if I didn't have his book handy. And, just in case you are wondering, to date I have bought or used 38 different books as sources, a number that is sure to climb steadily as we move forward into newer time periods. Speaking of sources, Paul W. asked what my process is for churning out the podcast. Now, they say never to let people see how the sausage gets made, but hey, you asked. So, it all starts with the sources. I spend a lot of time googling the word historiography and finding sources that were well-researched and either written by professional historians or amateurs who really know their stuff. Once I had those in hand, I, wait for it, read them. Along the way, I stick on little colored tabs next to bits that I want to include in the podcast. 
you'll have to see a picture of my book sometime. Most of them look like they are spitting up a virtual rainbow of paper. And it's during this process that I really start forming in my head what I want to talk about in any given episode. Then comes the hard part. Writing. I sit down and start trying to put these ideas to paper, which usually involves me going back and forth between roughly four books at a time, trying to get every last detail onto the page in some sort of recognizable, chronological, or otherwise good storytelling order. I would say that it takes me maybe a good three to five hours to write an episode after having spent a few hours reading and note-taking. Then comes recording, which takes about another two hours, depending on how much I flub takes. One 30-minute episode can have up to 90-some-odd takes, with my personal best being somewhere in the neighborhood of 35 takes. As of this moment right now, I believe I'm up to 28 takes for this episode. Now, when I'm ahead and well-prepared... I try to have an episode written and polished on Monday, then recorded on Tuesday. I will then spend Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday reading and writing the next episode. I come back to my original recording on Saturday with fresh ears, listen to it once again to make sure it sounds perfect, and then set it to release Sunday night. It's a great plan, except, uh, yeah, I won't tell you how often it doesn't pan out. Now, Michael D. also asked what events have been my favorites to cover so far leading up to the 1860s and what I am looking forward to covering after we finally get through the Civil War. Personally, it feels right now that the Civil War will never end. Seriously, we started the 1860s in earnest back in episodes 34 and 35 and the Civil War itself in episode 37. And 10 episodes later, we are just now getting out of 1863. But what I'm excited to get to, probably in another year at the pace we're going, is some of the big well-known stuff. We are talking Tombstone, the fight at the OK Corral, the founding of Phoenix, the Bisbee deportation, etc. I also can't wait to dive into the bitter Pleasant Valley War, which I think is criminally underrepresented in the public consciousness. This is the stuff people think of when they think Arizona history, and I can't wait to sink my teeth into it. But context is everything, as they say, and we must go in order. John L. asked something slightly different, wondering if there was a subject I want to cover, but haven't found the right source or hook yet for it. The answer to that is yes and no. Trust me, there's a lot I want to cover about Arizona history that I've just been waiting for the time to be right. We should be approaching soon to when I can really tell the story of the Pennington family, who were early settlers in the Tucson area and have one of the most beautifully tragic stories I've ever run across. For reasons that will be obvious when I get to them, I've been waiting to tell their story in full, though they could have been slipped into the narrative ages ago. The same goes for James Rivas, the so-called Baron of Arizona, who I've mentioned before. I might fold into that episode the saga of the Baca float, which was basically one giant land theft scheme. Also, you just know that at some point we are going to have a full episode talking about nothing but Jacob Waltz, the eponymous Dutchman, and his lost mind in the superstitions. 
But I have been thinking about how I can maybe talk more about Charles Hayden, who just finally popped up in our story last week, and others like him who are influential to Arizona's development and should be mentioned before the narrative just rushes by them. I've yet to find a good way to really shoehorn them in at this point, but I'm still working on it. Paul W. submitted another spin on this question, asking if there was a topic I was dreading having to tackle. In the immortal words of Phineas and Ferb, yes, yes there is. While I'm excited to get to Wyatt Earp and the OK Corral, that is such a well-known event that I'm going to have to make sure I really do my homework on that one, and that I'm able to present the whole sequence of events in a clear, straightforward manner. But what I'm really dreading is getting into the latter half of the 20th century. I'm the kind of guy where the older something is, the more fascinating it is for me. There's good stuff to be found anywhere in the past, but for me, I want more layers of dirt on it. So the events of the latter portion of the 20th century, stuff I've actually lived through, doesn't hold the same appeal. Also, there's some very controversial stuff that hasn't had the benefit of being picked over and analyzed by historians just yet. For example, how do I want to tackle the infamous SB 1070? Thankfully, at the pace we're going, I still have some time to think about it. Okay, I think this should bring us around to another of Michael D.'s questions about whether I plan to do some sidebar episodes to cover smaller incidents that deserve a close look all of their own. Uh, once again, I'm going to have to go with yes and no. I just told you that I plan to talk about the Penningtons and James Rivas in their own episodes, but most of the time, if something is fascinating enough, I just kind of weave it into the main story. Half the reason the podcast is going at the pace that it is is because I'm finding a ton of fascinating things to talk about and just throwing it all in. I tend to write based on the amount of material available, so if something takes 5, 10, or 15 minutes to talk about in full, I'll just go ahead and write until I've covered it in full. I've toyed with the idea of doing breakout standalone mini-episodes on certain little historical nooks and crannies, but those have proven to be a logistical nightmare. Given how much time it takes me to read, write, and record for our normal episodes, taking extra time to produce mini standalone episodes is just sort of impossible. Believe it or not, I still have a day job, a social life, and other obligations that won't let me spend all day reading and writing about history. Of course, I'm basically making up the game plan as I go at this point, so that could always change. But getting back to Michael's original question... As for my favorite event that I think I've covered up to this point, I would have to say the Spanish era. Guys, I absolutely fell in love with the Spanish colonial period. I think maybe it's because I knew very little about it going in. Most of the time, people will learn about Kino and Anza, but then quickly move on to when the Americans arrive. It's the same reason that the Mexican period is so little studied. In most general books of the state, the Spanish era is given maybe one chapter, and a short one at that. But there was so much happening when Spain was in charge. Everything was as politically and militarily complex as during the American era. And though I touched on events in Mexico, California, New Mexico, and Texas during that time, they were even busier than Arizona with their own complicated problems and solutions. 
And that doesn't even touch what was happening in Louisiana, Florida, and other holdings. I have a vague notion in my head to one day go back and produce a series about North America under Spanish rule, because it was a fascinating 300 plus years. But, uh, one podcast at a time. Also, seriously, Juan Bautista de Anza the Elder deserves more recognition than he currently gets. And that guy had just a fascinating life. And his biography by Donald T. Garate has been one of my favorite sources I've read for this podcast. I highly encourage you to go back and listen to episodes 5 through 14. Those were good times and actually some of my favorite episodes to produce. Plus, I made an Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade reference in episode 5, which, though nobody asked me this, is my favorite film of all time. Now, Ben M. also asked me about what the most interesting story I had to cut during the writing and editing process was. And I have to tell you, this one stumped me a little bit. Obviously, I couldn't cover everything that I've read, or this podcast would be at least five times as long as it is. But I'm also a very details-oriented person, and typically take way too much time to try and include every last tidbit I can. So I'm not sure there is much story-wise that I actually ended up cutting. Sure, I had to simplify a few things, otherwise things like the endless cycle of conflict with the Apaches would have taken forever, but for the most part, the good stuff all made it into the podcast. I would have to say then that the stuff I regret cutting the most is stuff that was unfortunately outside our purview. Going back to the Spanish era, it's fascinating to look at exactly how difficult it was for them to set up shop in California. It was a whole saga that was happening just to our left, but there was no good way to fit it into the narrative without derailing our Arizona-bound train. Speaking of research, John L. asked, Was there anything you've learned that has changed your opinion about an individual or locale? I actually have a fairly recent example of this that we kind of covered. Out of everyone I studied so far, I think Cochise has turned out to be the most different from what I expected. As I mentioned when I first introduced him, Cochise is often lumped into the noble, honorable warrior betrayed by treacherous Americans trope. Now, to be fair, he was a great warrior who was betrayed by treacherous Americans, but it wasn't like he needed that much of an excuse. The early state histories liked to portray him as an honest, friendly leader who would have loved nothing more than to cooperate with the Americans if they had let him, and that view has permeated most histories. But as I've done more reading about the man, it turns out that, yeah, that's not very true. He could be and was deceptive, duplicitous, and harsh long before Bascom got in his way. And holy smokes, the guy had a temper. Remember what he did to his prisoners during the Bascom affair? It was not nice. Now, I won't go so far as to condemn him because he was a harsh man living during harsh times. But yeah, he turned out to be different than what I expected going in. Now, since this is Arizona's birthday, I think I want to end on another question from Paul W. He asked, 
What are some of the historic sites located in Arizona that a history buff should put on their must-see list? Great question. My natural instinct is to tell everyone to stop at every single historical marker you can. But I realize that's not always possible. So here's my top of my head, in no order whatsoever, take it or leave it list. First off, Casa Grande. Go see it. Still impressive, even today. As an addendum, also go see Pueblo Grande in Phoenix. Not as visually impressive, but it really gives you the scale of the Hohokam civilization. Next, Tubac Presidio State Historic Park. For those who grew up in the Phoenix area, or even further north, the history of Spanish Southern Arizona can sometimes seem a little distant, hazy, and not well understood. But it's important and should be celebrated. Plus, you get bonus points if you go just a bit farther south and visit Tumacacri National Historic Park as well. Next up, we have Lee's Ferry. This important Colorado River crossing is just a short drive off US 89A near the Vermilion Cliffs in far northern Arizona, but gives you a good sense of what it meant to first move into the area in the era before highways and bridges. We'll soon get to the part of our story where this becomes a vital river crossing. After that, we have Charlotte Hall Museum in Prescott. This is the original governor's mansion for the Arizona Territory, which was preserved thanks to a spirited, active, intelligent woman named Charlotte Hall. Hall was also something of a history junkie herself and sought to preserve Arizona's unique historical heritage. Bonus points will also be given for seeing pretty much anything historical around the Prescott area. After that, we have the Bisbee Queen Mine. Bisbee itself is such a quirky community that everyone needs to visit from time to time. But the Copper Queen Mine is such a large part of Arizona's mining history that if you have the chance, you must take the Queen Mine tour through a portion of the old site. It will give you such an appreciation for what we mean when we say mining. Plus, it's only a hop, skip, and a jump away from Tombstone, which I'm sure I don't need to tell you, is infused with its own fair share of history. And finally, I'm going to recommend Colorado River State Historic Park. To be frank, I never realized how important Yuma was to the early development of Arizona. The vital Colorado River crossing has been with us for so long now, and Fort Yuma has proven to be pretty vital. The Colorado River State Historic Park in Yuma seeks to preserve that history and will give you a good sense of army life during the time we are currently talking about on the podcast. Also, the territorial prison is practically just around the corner if you want some more Yuma history in your life. Like I said, that's just some important highlights off the top of my head touching on a lot of places important to Arizona's history. But if you can, I still definitely recommend stopping at every historical marker. Okay, that should cover most of the questions I received. Thank you for everyone who submitted questions, and going forward, if anyone out there wants to ask me something, feel free to drop me a line. My email is david at 
azhistorypodcast.com, or you can find me on Facebook and Twitter under the handle at azhistorypod. Also, thank you everyone for just listening to me give long, rambling answers for the past half an hour. I hope what you walk away with is that Arizona history is fascinating, and I'm eager to see where our journey takes us next. We still have so much to cover, and I can't wait to share it with all of you. And who knows, maybe we'll do this again next year. Because at the rate we are going, I'll definitely be around. Just a friendly reminder that there will be no new episode next week, but I'll be back on February 28th as we start to wrap up the Civil War years. Until then, I'm your host, David Ruckhausen, and you've been listening to AZ, the history of Arizona. Happy birthday, Arizona. Arizona.